Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast. Um, Those of you who listened last week will not be shocked to learn that we've given Steve the week off. He uh, needs needs some sleep. So we're uh, we're doing that. And uh, so it's a it's a twosome today, um, which leads me to do something that I kind of wish Steve was here because he would be so befuddled by what I'm going to ask you, but you'll actually kind of play along, um, which is to say Miles is here. Miles, uh, I hear surgery is the new sex. Anything else the new sex? Oh, God. Well, I feel like you were setting me up for something there, but I have no idea what it is. But yes, surgery is the new sex. And uh, thank God, because I'm not that great at the old sex. That's kind of what I was getting at. I was hoping you would Okay, uh, okay. Would I, I figured it out as I was talking, so that worked. Which is funny because we'll talk more about the movie in a minute, but just for a quick, like, non-spoiler, spoiler, there's multiple times he has sex in the movie. He seems fine at it. Well, of a sort. <laughs> I mean, there's one, I, I was about to say normal, but neither of these sexual encounters are normal, but one seems to involve him putting his penis in a vagina, right? That seems like what's happening in, in the pod. Um, wow, that's a that's a Cronenberg sentence. Yeah, boy, is it? I'm trying to think when. I don't. I don't know. I think most of it has to do with various, you know, physical holes. Well, I think. I mean, not to not to get into it right off the bat. I guess we should. Whatever. Fuck. Let's talk about Crimes of the Future. Yeah, um, I've seen Crimes get, of the Future, y'all. Yeah, we'll get you'll you'll get into it in a second. I'm just on this this horse for a second. There's this isn't essential to the plot, but there's two sex scenes in the movie. Just one of which. I well there's there's two and then the two ladies the two ladies who go at it it seems randomly. Oh yeah. That scene that scene doesn't really do it do anything besides get a chuckle out of you. It's not really narratively important. Um but eh, they they do other things that are important, but with them just taking their clothes off was kind of like, "Oh, all right, Cronenberg." Um when 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 Vigo and and Leia Sado have sex in the pod while the the surgery thing sort of like hits them periodically. Mm-hmm. That's that seems to be penetrative sex in a traditional manner, plus the knives. The other time is when he gets the zipper put in and, and she fillets the zipper. That's that's a wee yeah. bit different. Yeah, so that first one, <laughs> my reading from that is that they weren't basically moving at all. Like, the the needles, the, the knives and stuff cutting in was essentially... We're doing subs- the, They were substituting mm. for the... They didn't Could seem be. like they were moving at all. I mean, Vigo is in a... F- he is a fucking mess in this movie. Like, yes. He is, like, coughing and hacking and wheezing and limping and, like... He really he is playing... Like he's in an awful state at all times. He really does seem like he's playing John Kramer. In a lot of ways. He's he's out yeah. Kramer and Kramer. <laughs> yeah. Um, here, give your give your thoughts. I, I, I spoke a couple weeks ago about how I, I, I liked it well enough. I'm... We'll talk about maybe more Cronenbergs in a, in a, later on as we go through this. But I, I wanted – I, I kind of wanted it to be weirder or more body horror. I think now that you've seen it, you get what I'm getting at. Like this is like kind of like dipping his toes in it and being a little less serious than he usually is, even though it is like a morbid movie at times. Sure. I, I think, yeah – Maybe it's not a movie that benefits from the kind of expectations that they set up in the marketing or sort of the build up to it. Um, the whole, oh, I expect people to do walkouts or, you know, oh, it's, you know, yeah, the there's, there's nothing to body horror. That's not really the movie that it is. Um, no. That said, I am a big Cronenberg enthusiast. He's probably my favorite 
horror director, or at least one of, um, and I, I've loved a great many of his movies, as we've talked about in the past few weeks. Um, this was right up my alley. I absolutely yeah. adored this. Um, I think it helped that I had sort of heard you and some other people talk about, like, it's not like this massive, you know, it's not a revolutionary movie. It's just Cronenberg getting back to his old tricks. Yeah. And, and looking at it from that lens, I was very much able to enjoy it as it's more of a satire than anything else. I don't even like I think it would be, you know, genre fraud to try and describe this as a horror movie of any kind. No, it's it's only horror in the sense of like some gross shit happens. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is it's kind of fascinating. So they build this world where, um, you know, people just don't experience pain anymore. And as a result of that either experiencing surgery or surgery or watching surgery. I mean, Kristen Stewart has the now famous line, surgery is the new sex. Yeah. But the movie goes a very long way to like making that statement make sense. Cause on the surface, that seems like a weird Cronenbergian sort of non sequitur, but within the context, you know, you see how Vigo and Leah Sidhu sort of get into it and how it sort of, you know, defines their relationship in a lot of ways you see how the various people who watch the shows are clearly getting off on it i mean kristen stewart is essentially just playing a horny fangirl and she's very true she's like thirsting for everything that this new you know erotic form of performance art is about um same with Don McKellar, who sort of plays her co-worker. I was about um, to say, he's just as horny for this. Well, yeah, but – and then, you know, you mentioned the the two, you know, uh, maintenance ladies who get naked. They're clearly, you know, very erotically charged by the whole thing as well. So it's it's this world where this has kind of become the new norm. But what I like about it is that it works as like this sort of – satirical take on the art world where just yeah. i mean in a very literal way vigo is creating pieces of art that are the new organs and then taking them out and sort of they're being tattooed and sort of shown for the world and it's a very obvious and easy analogy to any artist who sort of creates something from themselves and sort of the the emotional or psychological pain that takes is here made literal and then to sort of see Vigo's artwork compared with some of his contemporaries, like the Ear Man, who shows up prominently in the trailers. And, like, it's funny because you see him in that, or I think he even got his own poster, and you're like, oh, here's yeah. a new, creepy, sort of iconic, you know, Cronenbergian character. But in the context of the film, that character exists because he sucks and his art sucks. <laughs> and it, like, doesn't yeah. work nearly as well. I thought this movie was really funny. And maybe, and I th- think you would mention, like, you know, the don't spill line and other things, like, if you're on its wavelength, it's humorous. Yeah. I must have been completely jacked into the wavelength because I was cracking up during a lot of this movie. My poor wife was like, you know, she was doing her best to go along with it. She wasn't too repulsed or anything like that. I mean, there's a couple of pretty gr- gruesome scenes. But I think the fact that they go do so much work to establish how normal all that stuff is in this world, it yeah. does it doesn't have the shock value of like a crash or a videodrome or, you know, some of his films where it's much more in your face and it's much more like, "Oh, look at how horrible this is." If anything, yeah, it never lingers. No, and the score uh from Howard Shore who's doing great work he always does great work with Cronenberg it goes a long way to almost romanticize it and it it really you know it's working hard to make you see why all the characters find this so sort of beautiful and thrilling and once you kind of look past the macabre aspects of it 
Uh, it's really just, yeah, it's about an artist who's, you know, he's on the cutting edge and he's trying to do something unique. And there's a, a whole subplot about an inner beauty pageant, which I thought was so funny. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot of pieces. Um, my, my only critique would really be that there's probably one or two subplots too many and not all of them get enough time to be fully fleshed out. Um, Kristen Stewart is doing some like, like, it's like she takes all the sort of ticks and mannerisms that she's been criticized for in the past and like weaponizes them here. She doesn't... As, as has been mentioned, she doesn't get as much play as uh, the other two, but she's kind of inconsequential. She's good, but you don't yeah. necessarily need that character to be as prominent. You don't, but I think she adds so much to the movie via her presence. It's the kind of thing where it's a supporting role where you are wondering where she is or if she'll turn up again whenever she's not there. Yeah. Like, she leaves you wanting more, which is one of the best things a supporting performance can do. Uh, oh, yeah, because think- narratively, she's not... Like, if you take the character out, nothing changes. Well, she does do one important thing at the end of the movie, but it's a throwaway line that it basically happens off screen. Yeah, uh, anyone could have... You could have filled that in a different way. But yeah, because she's so I, good, they, you're... They you're set like- up why she does it, and there's you kind of get to see her sort of looking at the aftermath of it. But, like, yeah, yeah it's not... You, you, you would have... Another scene or two of her would not have, you know gone astray but uh leah Sedu, i think is giving career best work here i i haven't seen her no, she's as, excellent oh she's so good vigo i'm glad that he got to do a proper body horror cronenberg movie as opposed to he's you know part of the sort of the classier era yeah but like he, all three of them are perfectly tuned into what the director is doing and what kind of movie it is and they're bending over backwards to sell it um, Scott Speedman, who I haven't heard a lot of people talking about, I think he's very convincing in sort of a smaller role um, that becomes sort of more important as the story goes along. I don't know. There's just some really effective world building. The Cronenbergian special effects and sort of machines and stuff like that feel very, you know, they're obviously fantastical, but the movie almost makes them like kind of this, like the first shot you ever see of his weird bed. You know, at first yeah. you're like, you know, pushing in on it and it's like this floating thing with tentacles and like little things attached to him and it looks like bizarre and creepy and then Leah Sidhu just walks in and kind of opens the blinds and sort of suddenly it feels kind of mundane it's just like oh yeah this is just how he sleeps this is just his yeah. life or like uh, the 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 high chair that he and someone else have to basically yeah. eat that looks like bones but essentially is a rocking high chair yeah it's it's like nudging the body around to sort of maximize you know effective digestion essentially yeah <laughs> it's fascinating it, yeah no it's it's not as wild and out there as some of his other films this very much feels like a master filmmaker sort of relaxing into his comfort zone in many ways it feels like similar to what scorsese did with the irishman which yeah. It's not my that's not my favorite of his movies, but I feel like both filmmakers are kind of playing in that register of like going back to what I did before, but looking at it through the modern eyes of where I'm at now and how I feel about things now. And uh, it's better than The Irishman because it's half the length. <laughs> uh, I prefer The Irishman, but I get where you're getting at. The uh, the thing that I, I, I kind of ding it for a little bit is I do think the plot's a little all over the place just because I think there was a couple of movies here. That maybe he had been thinking of because the the people who, do, you know, the like we're evolving beyond pain situation. They never really develop like I wanted to. And and then at some point, the synthetics become a bigger deal and, and they kind of 
rub up against each other in ways I don't love. Um, not that there aren't things that work about it, but there are times with, um, like for example, later on when you when you learn what the deal is with the with the food, the synthetic food, and how it's essentially would would kill a regular person. Mm-hmm. But they they kind of make it clear that like there's pain involved and like there's some murders in it that like clearly there's some pain going on. Like I don't. I don't – it sounded – it kind of was more like a, a thing that I think was a flight of fancy there for him as much as a like a developed plot. I think he got way more into the synthetic aspect of it or um, also when you're talking about the, the beauty pageant, the like art world and, and filmmaking world of it that you could read it as. I think that's a little more of his focus mm-hmm. and um, yeah and I don't, I don't think he sticks the landing per se. I think it's a little abrupt. It kind of stops more than it ends. Um but yeah, I mean, it's it's still a good movie. It's just there are some shortcuts that I think are the are the uh, result of like a master filmmaker going. Yeah, I've done this though. I'm not really. This is not the part that interests me as much. Um, but when he's being more playful, like with the the zipper blowjob scene and stuff like that, he's he's clearly enjoying himself. I just some stuff felt like it was going through the motions, like like how they wrap up the Scott Speedman situation to, or just some of the world building. Like it's fine. But then I think back to like an existence where that movie is super dense, but the world building is so kind of singular that you're never lost. And that's a movie that should lose you. And I don't think you get lost in this movie, but I think sometimes they'll throw off a phrase and you're like, wait, what, who, or like what the, the actual job is of the government agency versus the like, doctor guy he goes sometimes people seem a little vague and it just i think it's a result of like eh, i just don't care not in like a laziness just like that's not the movie i'm making which is not a, a huge deal it's just something that i think like keeps me from liking it quite as much as you do i i think that's totally fair i think for me i didn't have as much of a problem with like I think, again, it goes back to if there had been, like, one or two less subplots, you know, maybe one or two more scenes with Kristen Stewart or, like, actually show us the thing she does that sort of resolves her section of the plot. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it could have been a little tighter for sure, even though it's, you know, it's less than two hours. It's it's not a drag. Yeah, no, it doesn't stretch. it doesn't linger or anything um, like that. But for me, the, the difference with Existence in terms of the world building is Existence is very much structured in such a way where – you are learning about this as you go along. Whereas yeah. here you're kind of throw in, thrown into a pre-existing world and you sort of figure it out as you go along through like the characters going through their day to day and stuff like that, rather than there's no real audience perspective character like Jude Law and uh, existence where like people need to explain stuff to them. Everyone here kind of knows what's going on in one way or another. Um, yeah. But no, I mean, I, I don't disagree that the ending is abrupt, but I don't think that's a bad thing. When I think of a bad, abrupt ending, I think of something like Men, which I think just very much like stops without properly resolving itself. Here, I think they give you everything you need for... It just depends on what you view as the primary thrust of the story. And I think... No pun intended. The bigger implications of what that ending means is more important than anything that would have happened after. That's fair. I mean, yeah, because it also ends on a... The the final scene also ends on a, I guess, ambiguous note. I'm pretty sure I know what it means, but you can... I didn't think it was remotely ambiguous. I think it's very... Like... 
look at every other scene he has in that chair and then look at how he is in that chair in the last scene. It is black and white in terms of what the implication is there. Yeah, I, I just think if you want it to mean the other thing, there's two possible outcomes of the thing he does. Um, we're being just vague enough for the six people who are going to watch the movie still because it, yeah. let's say, played to a niche crowd. Um, but, you know, it was never going to make a ton of money. No, um, I, I think they were smart about that. They knew they knew what they had and they, they're not trying to be overambitious with it. Yeah, that's a that's a long game playing wanting it in their in their library type situation. But yeah, um, most likely one thing happens, but I think it, it cuts off just in case you want the other thing to be true, even though I don't know that that's jives with who David Cronenberg is, you know, like he's not a real optimist. You know, I think what's his happiest movie? Um. <laughs> That's a great question. Does he have one? <laughs> uh, I mean, like... I, I would actually argue that this is a more optimistic ending than most of the ones he does. Like, I, I think this ending this ending kind of registers on a bit of hope. Like, I think there are forces within the film that view what's happening as, like, a dangerous thing. Yeah. But if you look at especially sort of, you know, the analogy that certain aspects have for, like, climate change and for, you know, the way the body's evolving, the way the planet is evolving... I think the implications of the final moments do have a bit of hope to them. I think it's sort of if this ends up being the case, then we might have something resembling a solution to this planetary issue. Yeah, yeah. no, there's there's something to be said there. I think I think that, again, goes into maybe how you interpret it. I was just thinking of like movies where he has his main character live and they're not even that often <laughs> he doesn't like he, he does he does treat his main characters poorly well oftentimes. like history of violence for example that ends on like it seems like the family is like on its way to accepting him back but it cuts oh they're to black, shattered but it cuts to black before like a proper resolution happens and you just have to be content with the kids setting at the table for him exactly or um he doesn't get his throat cut in Eastern Promises. <laughs> yeah. Damning with faint praise. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you think about the 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 end, not the end, but the, the scene that was sort of teased as would send people to the exits? Because it's, what you see is not particularly off-putting. It's the idea of what's being done when we're being yeah. vague also. No, I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. It's, I mean, you know. It's a bait and switch. Well, I mean, yes, or just promotion. It, I think, I think if 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 you hadn't heard that, and then no, you watched I, the movie, I, I and it's... then someone said, "Oh, I heard that there's a scene in the movie where X that happens. would cause walkouts," I don't think that's what you would pick. I mean, I think what it is is if you are predisposed to not be okay with conceptually what is happening and yes. specifically who it's happening to then i think yeah it was never going to work for you but it but i mean in in the movie's defense it does give you everything you need to see that coming in the first 5 minutes like that opening stretch with the boy is very much like you know this is where we're going Anything that goes after here, like, you know, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's not surprising that it happens. I mean, they definitely don't, you know, skirt away from showing you, you know, the more graphic side of it. But again, like everything else in the movie, it's done in such a sort of fantastical way that it doesn't feel as gruesome as it could in something a bit 
less well like if eli roth directed this movie this would be like unwatchable but um or like maybe a zombie or something well because you know they would lean a bit too much into like fetishizing the gore whereas i think greenberg yeah. is using it in a very clinical sort of way like to express these thematic ideas and these plot points I'd be down for the, a different version, but yeah, this this is this is one specific version of that. I would be I'd be curious. I don't know. I'm not a huge like surgery fan. Like I remember like growing up, my dad would watch like surgery, like on like the Learning Channel type thing. Like I couldn't do that. Or uh, like if you think is, of um, like the uh, the brain surgery scene in Saw Three. Like yeah, yeah. Which, I, I'm imagining something like that, but in the context here, like that would be pretty. Here, I, I think if you're able to reconcile with narratively what's happening, yeah. the quote unquote gore itself is not that much totally. of a barrier to entry. Which is what I had said a couple weeks ago. Is like I think it just comes down to like, are you not okay with what you're seeing? I think not anyone who's on the fence. Yeah, I think anyone who's on the fence about this one. Go watch a couple of Cronenberg's sort of greatest hits if you haven't already. Watch Videodrome, Existence, The Fly, stuff like that. Yeah. If you can handle all that, there's nothing in this movie that you can't handle. And totally. I think And I think it has a much lighter tone than any of those films. Like, again, it's I think it might be his funniest film. <laughs> uh, well, here, let's let's talk about his best. What would you where would you rank? Uh, could you do a top ten real quick? You want to do a top five, something like that? Because I don't think you're going to find a, a comedy in there. No, well, that's just not really his bag per se. Um, I could probably do a five off the top of my head. Um, yeah, I've got six that I'm that I'm most fond of. Because I'll just say like my seven through ten. Seven I, I, is Dead Ringers. Yeah, go ahead. I know you know. I know you've seen it. Um, seven is Dead Ringers. Eight is Scanners. Nine is The Dead Zone. Ten is Shivers. Um, Dead Ringers mainly being that performance setting it apart. So let's yeah. do your five. I'll talk about my six. Because I remember you posted on the site uh, your ten. I remember looking at it and being like, I think we have the same five, just in a different order. Yeah, there's a there's a there's a pretty clear cut top five to me. Yeah. So uh, my favorite of his is The Fly. Like far and away, like it's in my top three horror films of all time. It's one I go back to. Not super. It's my number four here. It's tough. But yeah, yeah, we talked about this last last week, I think, when we talked we talked about Cronenberg last two weeks ago. Last whenever we talked about Cronenberg, yeah, yeah, we I, did the, the filmaholic face off. Exactly. Um, yeah, no, the fly I think is a masterpiece. Uh, I know History of Violence is your favorite. That's probably my number two. Like I really yeah. like that one. Um, just then so le- well tight. Oh movie. yeah, no, it's it's a great little pot boiler. It's pulpy, but like it's got some bigger thematic concerns. It works as a standalone story, but it also works as part of his larger, more thoughtful oeuvre. And shockingly entertaining. Very much so. Like, shouldn't be as entertaining as it is. Like, should be like a downer, but, but just he, he so good. he does it in a very compelling way. Yeah. Um, three would probably be Videodrome for me. My two. Um, which is a great one. I... I love. We know who's in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, that's the only thing I think that keeps it from being higher for me. Um, if it helps, he suffers a lot. Yeah, but he's still on screen for like 90% of it. So regardless of that's what true. he's doing, you do still have to look at him and listen to him. Um, Here's a question. Who's, who? If you had to watch someone, would you watch a good James Spader movie or a good Kevin Spacey movie? Oh, James Spader, every day of the week. Not I was about to say, because... Um, no, no. I, okay. Um, 
I, I, I misspoke. I was thinking of Spader because I'm looking at my list. Um, James Woods. You, you know oh. what I was getting at, though. Okay. Um, yeah, Spader's yeah, a lovely man. Two, I've met him. I'd be, I'd be more willing to go back to an older James Woods movie than I would a Kevin Spacey movie. Yeah, because he's just a political jerk as opposed to a sex pest. Yeah, exactly. I can I can I don't agree with him and I don't like him as a person, but that's not the same as like being like physically and like sexually abusive. Like like to to take where you're at, like you could work with him if you had to. You just wouldn't I mean, be as fr- I mean, if the gig was good, you would probably wouldn't work with Kevin Spacey. No, despite I mean, our joking. Yeah, gun to my head, but like I don't like these scenarios. Yeah. Um, <laughs> James Wood just saunters over miles. <laughs> like, oh god, he's but yeah, smiling video, too video much. Videodrome is great. It's got some great effects. It's you know the, me- the message is still prescient today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that's all great. Uh, four would probably be Existence, which is I think it takes the ideas of uh, Videodrome and sort of you know a decades a decade plus worth of, you know, better effects, but like, it's more about games than about like media in as broad of a term. It's, but, it's proto, it's matrix. It's basically the matrix. Yeah. But well, just Cronenberg came out the, the same year. <laughs> yeah. Also made by a guy who doesn't really understand video games, but oh, totally. it, it's kind of cool in that his misunderstanding kind of elevates them as opposed to like, if you recall around the same time, like Roger Ebert got in, not in trouble, but it was the one time he kind of like, was disconnected from the culture and that he didn't he doesn't he didn't dig on video games and no. just kind of like misunderstood them. But and, I also dug think in like his heels. His understanding of video games probably began and ended with like Pong and the stuff in the arcades. Like I don't Watching. think he was he wasn't like keeping up with like, you know, the latest stuff on like PlayStation or N sixty four or whatever at the time. So, what I wouldn't have given to play Grand Theft Auto with Roger Ebert. Well, I, I think he would have been in the camp that found that kind of thing pretty morally reprehensible. Yeah, but then you give him the controller and he would have fun doing it. You know he would. Maybe a little, yeah. That's that's everyone. I remember I remember a really funny story. My One of my teachers in high school who became a, a friend later in life talked about when he was dating his now wife. She had heard about the controversy and was like, is it true you can shoot a grandma with a sniper rifle? And he's like, yeah. Do, do you want to see? <laughs> and, he's, and she was like, I, I kind of do. Because when you know that's a possibility, you, you kind of need to see it happen. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think uh, everyone has sort of, you know, picked up one of those and just, you know, throw missions and cautions to the wind. I'm just going to drive really fast and plow into a bunch of things and, you know, get my wanted level up and see how long I can survive that whole thing. Like, it's it's a sandbox. It's meant for you to indulge, you know, whatever exactly. you want to do. But abuse your hookers there so you don't do it in real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so that basic psychological aspect of it, going back to Cronenberg, I think yeah. is something that Existence really hits on, even if the specifics of the game are very uniquely his own. Totally. Um, and then number five for me would probably be Eastern Promises. Also my five. Um, which it's very much in the same register as History of Violence. Going back to it, I found the Naomi Watts stuff maybe a little lacking, mainly yeah. because she kind of disappears in the second half of the movie. Um, but all the other stuff is really good. Vigo's one of his best performances. Vincent Cassell's really good. Like it's, it's just a really well done crime story. Yeah. Armin, Armin Miller stall. Yes. It's, it's well done. And then my six is crash, which fair enough. Yeah. Again, I need need to rewatch crash. I'm sure it would go higher if I, if I gave it a modern look. I want, Uh, I I haven't watched in forever. I do wonder if it plays less like, 
I, I don't want to say icky. It's always going to be icky. But in a world where we've seen, like, I don't think that gets an NC-17 today. No, definitely not. I think they were just so off put by the premise as opposed to anything else. Now, I will say something kind of bold. Um, and obviously, you know, I haven't seen probably some of his earlier stuff, but I've seen most of the rest of it. Yeah. Right now, I might put Crimes of the Future at six. I really, really liked it. And I think I even if it's not it. revolutionary, I enjoyed it so much as like this art world satire. I thought it was so yeah. like, you know, it's very well made, you know. The imagery is gorgeous, you know, both the macabre stuff and just the normal stuff. The performances are so tuned in. It just, it really, it's like a warm blanket, even if the blanket is made of, like, intestines and bones. <laughs> totally. Um, I just wanted to include something early, which is why Shivers made the cut. Um, mm. It's very, um, I explained this to someone about something else recently, but, like, first filmmaker first film even though i don't think that's his first one but early like in the same way that like watching following it's like oh this is not the yeah. Nolan we know now but like you can see it brewing or, or like um, uh chronos for guillermo del toro or pie for aronofsky um um, uh, um uh, sydney or hard eight for for pta like Definitely. you can see the things that will define their best work but they're they're in much more limited packages. I, I won't even say Scorsese because I think, um, especially Mean Streets, kind of hit the ground running. Well, actually, like, I've seen Scorsese's first first film, which was um, oh, it has two big, titles. Is that The Big Shave or something like that? Because yeah, I've seen Boxcar Bertha and Who's That got, Knocking at My Door? Who's That Knocking at My Door? That's what I'm thinking. Of. Okay, then that might be the first. One. I don't. I didn't remember if there were two or three. I, I know Mean Streets was his. I think I guess his third or fourth film. Thir yeah, it was Who's That Knocking at My Door, then Boxcar Bertha, then Mean Streets. Yeah, and those first two were kind of like barely released. They're closer to student films or expanded Yeah, well, the first – well, yeah, Who's That Knocking at My Door definitely feels like sort of like, you know, feeling feeling out film as a medium. I know Boxcar Bertha was like a for hire thing for Roger Corman, and then Mean Streets feels like his sort of first thesis statement of a movie. Totally. Um you can't do it with every filmmaker. Spielberg's kind of a unique case. Yeah, but Some Duel people. is awesome. Duel is awesome, but I, I don't know that it's that's not, necessarily... It's not a fully Spielberg film, absolutely, but it is... It hits the ground running in terms of entertainment value. Yeah. The the jaws of it all is there, but the, you know, absentee fathers and things like that are not there yet. The well, things sure. That would, uh, Cause it, well, it was like a made-for-TV movie, and it's very totally. functional and efficient, but it's a good also, training he was, ground. It was also very much him, like you said, training ground. Like, I want to be a director. How can I become a director? I'll do this. I'll just do it well. You know, it's like it doesn't work for everyone because sometimes they don't plan on making a second film. Yeah. You know, um, Kevin Smith and Clerks, like that was the only movie on his mind. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I know we don't, you know, you don't like uh, Lynch, but like Eraserhead made on like fucking weekends for years. Like, oh, it was, no, I just want to make this movie. the bill. That is very much, you know. Just like, you know, it's it's probably I think for you it fits the bill more because it's like it's it's undeniably a Lynch film. Oh yeah, yeah. Um I just meant like, you know, I don't think he was necessarily planning to explore these themes repeatedly just because I don't think he thought he was ever gonna finish that movie. Sure. And you kinda hope he didn't. Well, but, no, uh, I, listen, I would never want him to not make films, just I hope he doesn't begrudge me not watching a lot of them. Yeah. I wish I could do the really high-pitched voice well so that he could be your Andy Samberg. Ugh. Miles, I hope you like the next one. Actually, that's not bad. That's close. 
it's closer than than you kind of wish it was when you think of the movies he makes that that's kind of how he talks to people well all i think but, of is his deaf character from twin peaks and twin peaks true. is the closest i've come to liking something of his so i can i can work with that fair enough um we'll, we'll move on now um but yeah it's it's a film that was worth talking about crimes of the future and if anyone sees it feel free to bring up more um we're gonna do a film hawk face-off um that will lead into the thing that i saw earlier today that my review of which will be on the site by the time you are um listening to this uh ryan mcdermott's film hawk face-off is chris pratt films but can't guess where we're going with that mm. uh, so this will be pretty simple since it's just two of us but uh first up wanted or jennifer's body two films you don't remember he was in I do remember he was in Wanted because James McAvoy hits him with the keyboard and then like yeah. the keys and one of his teeth spell out fuck you. Um, yeah. How could you forget? Yeah. Um, I actually like I didn't even probably know who he was at the time, but like for like the office douchebag character, I kind of remember him being pretty good at that. Sure. Um, and I, I, I don't mind Wanted, actually. It's like it's dumb action schlock, but I think putting James McAvoy in the center of it kind of makes it a bit more interesting than it might be otherwise. Yeah. Um, and then Jennifer's body. Who is he in Jennifer's body? Uh, that's a very good question that I'm going to look up because I do not remember. And I'm spoiler alert, picking Jennifer's body, but I don't I, remember. Cause I'm like Adam Brody. Uh, he, he must be some dude who like Megan it, Fox kills. Is he right? like one of the band members or something like that? It could be. That would be. Because he wouldn't be I also, one of the kids, and he, I can't see him as one of the teachers either. Well, Johnny Simmons and Adam Brody are the two main ones, right? Yeah, but he might be like the drummer or whatever, and he has like two lines or something like that. Let's see. Let's see how low in the cast he is. Nope, he's Officer Roman Duda, or Duda. I'm going to say Duda because there was a Met named Duda. Officer Roman Duda is a cop, I guess. I'm going to, is there like a picture of him in it? We can, we can look it up. Officer Roman Duda. You guys are hearing it all right now. That's what happens when Steve's not here. Uh, he's wearing a... He's a police rookie and Jennifer's recent love interest whom were romantically involved in the past. I, is he Is he the guy they both hook up with? Is he a bigger part of this movie than I remember? I don't... I'm looking at pictures. I don't remember this character at all. Me I've either. I've only seen Jennifer's like, body once. And, and I actually and quite I like liked it. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I would actually, I mean, yeah, taking Chris Pratt's contribution sort of out because I don't think he has a big enough role in either movie for that to be a swaying point. Sure. Um, just taking the movies on their own. I do like Wanted. Um, I would probably go Jennifer's Body. Neither movie is like amazing, but Jennifer's Body actually, it's kind of doing something more interesting and ambitious. And I think I find it it memorable in a way that Wanted feels a little if it didn't have james mcavoy in the lead it would be very generic yeah if we were if we were going to rewatch one i would want to rewatch jennifer's body Agreed. i'm good unwanted um next up moneyball or zero dark 30 now we can kind of start to talk about performance also if you want moneyball or zero dark 30 um I think he probably gives a better performance in Moneyball because there's more for that character to do and he's a bit more central to everything that's going on. Zero Dark Thirty, he's just kind of one of the Marines that's, you know, 
it's him and Joel he's, Edgerton who is much more believable the, in that kind of role. Yeah, he's he's the wisecracker of the, yeah. of the group. So he has he has the he has the lighter lines in that one. Yeah, but it's but, also uh, like he doesn't show up until like the last 30 40 minutes or whatever and he's like he's present but it's not like an acting role. No, it's um, him, it's him and Joel Edgerton and one or two other people. You're like, I think I know those guys. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would probably go Moneyball. Um, it's one of my favorite sports movies, and yeah. you know, it's it's just so well written, so well acted. Everything about it just works so well. Zero Dark Thirty, I liked. I think coming off of the Hurt Locker, the expectations were probably a bit higher than they needed to be because it was a oh, the next movie film. was going to suffer no matter what. Yeah, and I think it's good, but I think it's maybe the subject matter is too ambitious for how, like, fine it ultimately is. Like, I don't find myself remembering it or thinking about it. Moneyball, I remember very fondly. I've watched them both a lot. They also both are on TV quite a bit. Um, And they're both very easy, for me at least, to, to pop in in the middle. I will say, I think Zero Dark Thirty worked better, and this is almost always the case, pre hype. Or not not pre-hyped because like it was hyped for years, but without other people having chimed in to say it was good. Because I recall being maybe one of the first people ever to see it because it didn't do a festival. It came out at the end of the year, right? It was a December release. Yeah. And um, I remember seeing it the weekend after Thanksgiving because I was in Maryland with my um, former girlfriend years ago. And we drove back to New York from her family's like Thanksgiving a day early because I could go like that Sunday night into the city to see it. And it must have been the first screening. And I think not knowing really what you're in for, because there was a trailer or two, but you just knew it was reformatted from the original like Hunt for Him movie. That really compelled because you're just kind of not sure how it's going to work out, even though you kind of know how it's going to work out. Now it plays like the best version of these like procedurals that are on TV all the time that I just have no interest in. And this one I do because I like the filmmaking. Whereas Moneyball is just a pleasurable experience. Also just full of good lines. You know, I, I he's even involved in one of my favorite lines, which is when he's like, I've only ever played catcher. And Brad Pitt goes, it's not that hard. And the uh, guy playing Ron Washington, tell him Washington goes, it's incredibly hard. Just, it's very well done. <laughs> um, you know, like Zero Dark Thirty has good lines, but they're bleak. Like I, I, Jason Clark is very good in the movie with his like, you know, if you lie to me, I hurt you. It's just ominous because you're like, oh shit, he's one of the good guys. Fuck. Um, right. So I will exactly. go Moneyball as well. Uh, next up, we have Her or the Lego Movie. Um. Gosh, I mean, he's obviously much more central in the Lego Movie, and he's good at. And Lego Movie is, like, one of the better animated films of the last decade or so. I mean, it it has no right to be as brilliant and inventive and emotional as it ends up being. Sure. Um, Her was my favorite film of the year it came out. He's not a major part of it, but he's good. But that movie is just so profound and just touches me on such a deep and meaningful level that it's hard for me to pick anything else. So I'm going to go with Her. Sure. Plus, I uh, same. Also, I would have loved to have heard him and Joaquin Phoenix in conversation, just because yep. they seem so different as human beings. Um, next up, <laughs> you're not going to like this one, but I, I can work with it. Um, the Magnificent Seven or Passengers? I'll just pop in and say I'm one of the few who liked Passengers, so uh, I guess I got to go with Passengers. 
Uh, I never saw Passengers. I didn't really have any interest in it, and I heard about the thing that they hid in the trailers, which is that he's actually a huge creep. Um, I, I wish they had done, because I'd read the script, because if you remember, the movie had been floating around for a long time. Mm-hmm. Wasn't it, like, it was a Keanu Reeves and Hathaway movie at one point. Like I think every like permutation of actor and actress was in it at one point. And the thing that I... So the movie, I think, is fine. I think the problem is they skip over the... So for anyone who doesn't know, yes, there it's a he wakes up. He's the only person alive on on this like long haul, um, basically the end of Don't Look Up. Not to spoil that movie, um, and he just putters around for a while. But he's a he's a nobody, and I think the movie even does it like in the script. It made a bigger point of like you have stations on the ship. You know he's a you know steerage essentially, so he can't get like the fancy drink. He can only get like coffee from the machine because of like his wristband, and eventually is lonely and presumably horny and decides to go look for a mate and then unfreezes Jennifer Lawrence and they have, you know, a romantic relationship until she realizes like, Oh, you fucking killed me. Cause we're not going to make it to this thing in the script. He spends a lot of time thinking this over and like is playing with the concept of like, I think I'm, I'm essentially ruining her life to make mine better. And to, you know, it doesn't say it overtly, but the concept being like, am I a piece of shit for this? I might be, but I, I, I just otherwise I die alone. And in the movie, it's not nearly as measured. It's much quicker to like, yeah, I got I got I got to get me a, a girl, and that sort of hurts it. Um, though, if you, I, I mean, the movie still works even if you're like, ugh, you're awful, because I don't know what you would do in that scenario. Like, if you got one other person and they're awful, you still got one other person. I, there's a better version of it to be made, but it's still, let's put it this way, it's better than The Magnificent Seven. Well, I don't know, because everything <laughs> you just described sounds fucking awful to me. Uh, and I've seen The Magnificent Seven, and I don't mind it. It's, it's obviously not it, a patch on the original, and, you know, I don't think he's necessarily the best part of it. But no. I think as a modern interpretation on a very simple story with a lot of charismatic actors, I think you could do a lot worse. I, I You could do worse. I, I, it's, it's just a, whatever. It's a great, let me put it this way. It's a movie I watched on TV in a hotel room falling asleep before a flight the following morning. And that is the perfect setting to watch it because you're yeah. not looking for anything complicated or super compelling or demanding. You're just looking for some light entertainment. And if you're bored on like a, you know, a weekend and you're just looking for something on TV and you come across it, I would never tell anyone not to watch it because I think it's it's fun for what it is. These are both exactly of the same ilk. Like Passengers is a movie I will never, ever watch because that setup sounds fucking gross and I hate it. All right. One of these days we're going to put it in that that thing that we're working on for the uh, movies we have to watch. I'll be mysteriously absent from the episode. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, next up, Lego Movie Two, the second part, or Onward. Um, Onward is fine. It's not one I of like my favorite Onward. Pixar's. It's it's it works, but it's not. It's missing that extra something that I find in some of their best works. Um, sure. But I, I like it well enough. But it would never. It probably wouldn't even crack my top ten of Pixar stuff. Um, that said, I have to do that list one day. Yeah. Um, that said, I really did not like the Lego movie, too. I thought it was... It, it I remember through, nothing about it. 
Yeah, there's nothing memorable about it. It's like I remember the opening is like Mad Max essentially, and then they're on a spaceship. Yeah, and is Tiffany Haddish like a bad alien or something? She's like the shape shifting thing. I don't. I don't even know. And also, they turn it into a musical without warning, and all the songs are terrible. Yeah, Um, they're really trying to grab everything is awesome over and again. Yeah, well, none of them land in the same way, and and I don't know what they're what they're skewering that time either. No, well, and that's the problem. And then they try and sort of, you know, have their cake and eat it with the whole, oh, this also exists in the real world thing. And, you know, it's fun to see Maya Rudolph doing the gag about how it hurts to step on Legos. But beyond that, there's just nothing about it. So between the two, Onward is a very solid middle of the road Pixar, which is better than a bad sequel. Yeah. Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy or Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2? Oh, did you not... Do one. Oh, I said onward, uh, onward, because I don't like Lego Movie Two either. Okay, and I kind of like Onward. I, it made me cry. <laughs> Fair enough. Sorry. What was the next one then? Guardians or Guardians Two? Uh, Guardians One, but I really like them both. Uh, I think the first one just has the benefit of being the first one and sort of establishing this world and these characters. The second one is really like the highs are really high in the second one, especially the ending. Sure. I find very, very emotional. But um, it it's not paced quite as well, and the action often feels very weightless and inconsequential. Yeah, um, and so I don't, I don't, I don't love one. the – yeah, I'm going to go Guardians 1 also. I don't love the Empire Strikes Back of it all in that they separate them a little more than I would prefer. Like I kind of want them together as a group. Their group dynamics work better. Um, I don't think it's accurate in the way I'm remembering it, but I, I seem to remember like Rocket and – I don't remember who's rocket with where they're like with the ship for like 20 minutes in like the dark like just like holding off like waves uh, of bad guys well Groot like i'm remembering there, that properly he's not right doing anything nebula's at the ship but she's not exactly yeah. helping like i remember that being just like why are we doing this that was a that was a misstep to me so yeah i'm going the first one i i flip-flopped his last two because i want to dive into what we're talking about the last one is Jurassic World or Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Ugh. Well, actually, this is good because before we get into the next bit, I was going to ask what your take was on these. Yeah. Um, for me, the Jurassic World films have not really connected. Um, I'm a huge, huge fan of uh, the first Jurassic Park. It might even be in my top 10 films of all time. Just uh, rewatched it over the weekend. So good. It's It's a masterpiece. It really is. It's one of Spielberg's best. Um, the sequels, you know, the immediate sequels are pretty hit and miss. Jurassic World is like, <sighs> it scratched an itch. Yeah, kind of. I don't know. I, the nostalgia of it all didn't really land for me, partially because like the only returning actor was BD Wong. Yeah, uh, that part- was an odd choice. N- none of the new characters are compelling. Like this is a primo example of Chris Pratt. Let's try and make him an action guy after Guardians. Oh, yeah. he's not as compelling outside of that character. Um, he's a nothing character here in both films, really. Bryce Dallas Howard is better, and she has a bit more development, but it's still not a compelling character. Um, it's dumb. It's I think the CG is kind of universally terrible in both of them, which is kind of shocking to me. There's not a single image or dinosaur moment in either film that I think can hold up to anything in the first film. Um, It's 
it worked. The first one, funny enough, works the best for me in like the last 20 minutes or so where it's just dinosaurs like smashing up against each other. And it almost feels like one of those like mega shark versus giant octopus type movies where it's just it's the raw lizard brain like monsters smashing each other enjoyment. Yeah, I like it on that level. There's some like so dumb it's kind of fun moments like chris pratt riding on a motorcycle with the raptors and stuff like that which so like which if you've read the um like making of the like i did a deep dive on like just the making of the franchise like now the six movies and that has been something in a script basically since the first movie that's interesting just like we got to get that in at some point like every sequel has had that as an idea and a concept and like when they've been talking it out with spielberg of like well what should this one have Oh, we should have motorcycles and raptors. And it, it took four movies to get there. I guess so. And, then they, and they do it again in the sixth one. Yeah, well, I've, I've seen that in the previews. And, that, and yet, yeah. yeah, you know, it's fine. I mean, I'll take that over, like, the weird, like, dinosaur-human hybrid idea I know they were floating at one point. Uh, I, I kind of wanted to see that Jurassic Park 4 where, like, I, I essentially would watch that the... movie, but don't make it a Jurassic Park movie. Just make it some other thing. I think or do that, it now. Now that they've kind of wrapped what they're up to. I don't to. know. I, 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 mean, I, I would go. rather see it as an unconnected thing because I kind of think the series is already like that would push it over the line of self-parody for me. Mm. Um, but I think and they also kind of reference that a little bit with the Vincent D'Onofrio character in the first world. Where it's like, yeah. we got we to put these raptors in the military. But like they don't give you enough in the film f- for the reaction to be anything other than what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> like, which why is, is this one, your passion project? Yeah, which when we get to we'll talk about the new one in a minute is one thing I like about the new one without getting into whether I like or don't like the new one. Um, when you get to all of them together. Jeff Goldblum and Sam Neill are quick to notice Chris Brambrick, you're the guy who trained raptors. And it's kind of like, but why? <laughs> or um, the best line in the movie is Jeff Goldblum's not befuddlement because he's never like befuddled, but just I want to know more about this of you trained raptors. And then part of the, the plot of the new one is looking for Blue's baby. And he's like, I promised I would get her back. She goes, you made a promise to a dinosaur. And that was, that's very like kind of what you want out of the Ian Malcolm of the world. Um, when it comes to the franchise, first one's amazing. Jurassic Park, classic, unimpeachable, very, very close to perfect. Um, the, I think my only complaints if I have any are just, I read the book before I saw the movie. I read the book very young and it is substantially different from the book. Have you ever read it? Yeah, I love the book. Oh, yeah. I, I, it's I read very the different. book after. Well, so I read the junior novelization of the first Which movie. Which is basically someone watched the movie and wrote the book. Yeah, yeah. And then I saw the movie and then I read the Michael Crichton book. It's different, but I think it works in its own. I think they both oh, yeah. work sort of independently of each other. It's very much the Spielberg version of the book, if that yeah. makes sense. Because, like, um, for those of you who don't know, like, like, John Hammond's a fucking asshole in the book to the point where he dies. Like, the, the, the compies that are in, like, the Lost World, that, like, just basically little things that eat bad guys, get him at the end of that one. And, like, um, Dr. Wu dies. Like, he gets eaten. Like, they never really make it clear that dinosaurs are eating people. They're just kind of, like, mauling them in the way that, like, a tiger would. But I think I'm remembering that correctly, right? Like, don't the raptors, like, gut him and eat his guts? And, like, they're noticing, like, oh, no, they're eating Dr. Wu. 
Like that's a prominent thing. Also, um, Jeff Goldblum spends also dies in the book before he comes back in the sequel is just on morphine the whole time and just a raving drug lunatic. It's it's different. Yeah, it's very different. It's very different. Um, uh, real quick before I uh, before we get too sidetracked, I, I talked a lot about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. I think for me, it doesn't work necessarily any better, but it's disappointing for different reasons. Because that one's directed by J.A. Bayona, who I think is a phenomenally talented director. He did The Orphanage and The Impossible and a couple of other things. And it's definitely going for more of like a horror-y sort of vibe. Which, the back half, especially. The back half, especially. But I don't feel like it commits enough to it for that to work. And again, it suffers from the problem where none of the characters are interesting or likable. Uh, even less so than the previous one, I would say. Um it's, it has a really good shot when they're leaving the island and you see the dinosaurs they left behind and it's actually kind of heartbreaking. You're like, oh, they're going to die. That was yeah, that was a really good shot. Yeah, but at the same time, the movie never really convincingly makes the argument for why they should be rescuing the dinosaurs in the first place. Like, no, you're, there was never you're a point in that movie in. where I disagreed with Jeff Goldblum's uh, analysis of, yeah, we fucked up by creating these things. Nature is actively going out of its way to course correct our fuck up. Let it happen. Yeah. Um. So, but you know, I mean, obviously, there's no movie if that's. But yeah, that one is just kind of like, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see this new one, which I'm going to do so very reluctantly. Well, just to see, like, how this whole thing hangs together as a trilogy, because, you know, the first three Jurassic Park movies are very much just, you make a movie, a couple years pass, what's the idea yeah. for the new one? Like, there's no real through line of those three movies. Besides one, grabbing a, one of the actors. Or more. Yeah, one, uh, one or two of the actors, exactly. But they're not, like, this isn't, like, the saga of any one of them, it, or even the no. saga of the park. Like, it's just three vaguely connected stories set in the same world. This one is clearly trying, this trilogy is clearly trying to be more connected, but at the same time, the plots of the three films are so like very disparate from one another. So I'm not sure how that's going to tie together. Um, but to wrap we'll up, we'll get film- that in a second. Yeah. Go well, ahead. Finish your thing. Well, yeah. So to wrap up the face off aspect of it, I don't know. I probably come out about, I don't like I don't really like either film and Fair. I'd probably come out pretty even on both. I want to like Fallen Kingdom more, but I don't think I do. Same. I think Fallen Kingdom has a lot more interesting ideas, but I don't think the execution is there. Jurassic it's got World the highs is, and lows. Yeah, whereas Jurassic World is more at a low hum, like it's very safe, it's inoffensive for the most part. But it, yeah. there's nothing exciting about it. So I guess <sighs> Fallen Kingdom's a bigger swing, but it's a bigger miss. So I think I will go Jurassic World. I will, too. Um, and uh, here's where I start to talk about um, Dominion. It's fine. Like, it's what such a, a What a great buildup. <laughs> yeah, it's – well, that's the problem is – so here's there's a couple of issues. The first act is fine. It kind of just jump, jumps into like dinosaurs are among us, but doesn't do enough with it. So that's that's a problem I have with it. Is essentially the second movie is your setup for this movie, the idea of like dinosaurs and humans and 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 I guess that prologue 
that played in theaters and I guess was also eventually went to the internet, right? With the, it had a, it had a prehistoric segment and then showed, um, some dinosaurs doing shit and had the, the T-Rex at the movie theater. Oh, and then the, the sh- I don't think I saw that. I saw the short film they released where like the, the yeah, the, yeah. It, the dinosaur Battle attacks like an RV or something. Battle of Big Rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which that's, was that's actually very good. That short is better than anything in the, the first two world movies, I think. Which is frustrating because it is Colin Trevorrow. And you're like, oh, you can do this well. They show a clip from that from a different angle because it opens with a news report of like where we're at. And it shows like basically someone recording that attack. But um, look it up the uh, the the prologue, which has like a bunch of things happening, um, which I is might, interesting. Honestly, I might have seen it and just not remember it. It's possible. Like the 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 money shot is there's a drive-in movie and a T-Rex shows up. Like I I remember um, that shot, but I don't know if I yeah. just seen it because I read about it or if I actually watched the thing. It's possible. But very quickly it gets into like you know the the poachers and stuff and like. Um, uh, Bryce Dallas Howard is freeing dinosaurs and stuff. So, like, her arc is... She has an arc, I'll give her that. Like, over the course of the three movies, she becomes very much like the dino crusader. Um, but the first act is fair until you realize, like... So, if you had to guess, what brings together the legacy characters? Because uh, I, I guarantee you it's dumber than what you're going to say. I was just going to say some contrived bullshit. <laughs> oh, very much so. But make it just throw something out there because I'm going to I'm going to it's not really a spoiler because it's like five minutes into the movie and it's a central plot point that I'll have to bring up in the review. But what do you think it is? I can't even think what it would be because I, I I'm looking at the trailers and I genuinely don't know what like Goldblum made sense in the last one, even though he's only in a boardroom and. There's two scenes that are apparently taking place weeks apart, but he's wearing the same clothes, so it's hard to say. Um, I don't know. Um, Like, is is, um, Alan Grant and are they still, like, working their old jobs? Like, is he still a paleontologist after all that? He is. He he is a paleontologist. He looked Um, like a, I'm too old for this shit paleontologist in three, and that was, like, over a decade ago. It is a little bit of a of a joke that works in the movie because she's now divorced because, of course, they have to have that chemistry again. But comes back and is like, oh, you look good. You must be doing what you like. And he's like, it's lonely out here. Like, he, he is like, like I don't want to be doing this. Um, they come together because she comes to him with a thing that she's discovered, which is, wait for this. There are swarms of locusts that are eating all the crops on, on the planet. So we're going to run out of food. And what? it's a, yeah, yeah. There's a locust that, like a prehistoric locust that's basically been developed. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. That's and, not uh, interesting. <laughs> no, it's not. And her source is Malcolm, who works for Biosyn, like the bad InGen, the worse InGen, I guess. Which, hey, did you ever read The Lost World? Yeah, I did. It was good. Okay. I mean, it so, made zero attempt to explain why Malcolm was still alive. But it yeah, was I'm back. So do you remember who the villain is of the Lost World book? It was like the rival company, right? Yeah, it was Dodgson, right? The guy who, who hires Nedry in the first one. Who? Yeah. He's a sex criminal, the actor now, so he's not in it. Yeah. Um, uh, he's the villain of this one, and it's Campbell Scott playing uh, like Steve Jobs, basically. And basically he released those to eat non-biosyn crops. This is a plot point in this movie. But why? <laughs> 
that's the thing. They don't really have a good reason. It's kind of like, oh, we fucked up. Like, I think the they don't explain oh, it. Oh, they, so it's like accidental umbrella corporation or what do we sort of <laughs> like it? it re- and maybe it's just poorly written because this is the thing. The middle of the movie sucks. It's like a bad Indiana Jones movie. And then the third act is legitimately pretty good is the thing. It's like talk about a like peaks and valleys movie because um, essentially what I gathered and once everyone sees the movie, tell me if I'm wrong because I had a long day and it was annoying me at this point, this movie before it kind of redeemed itself um, that their plan was. So they're they're basically capturing all the dinosaurs for like a, they have their preserve in like Italy to study them. He has Wu working for him to like figure out, you know, medicine based on dinosaurs. But also this side project was to essentially develop prehistoric um, locusts that would eat all of the crops he didn't produce. So I guess he has to provide all the food for the planet. But in but it's eating too – or maybe they were never supposed to get out. Like they never really explain why this would be an idea a like company would have. to so like why don't we just ruin all the food on the planet except for the ones we sell you? Like it seems not like a great idea. And they're trying to um, use the clone girl to like develop a – cure for oh, okay see this yeah. is my problem with all of the world movies and like th- why why do we need to spend so much time with human villains human like, yeah i don't need the, the closest thing to a human villain in the first movie was nedry and he wasn't even really a villain he was just like some greedy. schmuck who has clearly been well i don't even know he was greedy he was just well they have that underpaid. one conversation yeah they have that one conversation where like also i mean it's kind of his fault like he makes it he says clearly like who can do this for what i did like he lowballed like well yeah and there's something that, i mean maybe but like also like John Hammond keeps saying spared no expense, but if you look at the way that park is run, there's like 10 employees on the island. Like, this, it's a shit show from start to finish, so I, I, yeah. it's hard for me to – I'm not saying, you know, he obviously fucks everybody over, but at the same time, he's not like – he's not one of these mustache twirling like, ooh, I'm going to, you know, we got to kill more people to – Yeah, it does see – I do – whatever. Like, rewatching it. Vincent D'Onofrio in Jur- Jurassic World, like – Everybody he's had a conversation with on this island has been eaten by a dinosaur, and he's, like, hiding in the gift shop, but he's still monologuing about how great it would be to have raptors in the military. Totally. And then the, like— What the fuck are you talking about? And then um, the partner in in Fallen Kingdom who's essentially wanting to be a crime lord for dinosaurs. Oh, yeah, the Rafe Spall character who's just like, yeah, I'm just evil for evil's sake. Yeah. We bring in Toby Jones, we can have a fucking auction for dinosaurs and like the, sell them the to auctions, terrorists. The auction like, is dumb, the... but kind of okay. I mean, it's um, it's funny in a ridiculous way, but it's like these guys are like, oh yeah, what, do you like having a tank on the battlefield? What about like a wild and crazy tank that you have to feed and can't control? And they're like, yeah, yeah. I'll spend millions of dollars on this. <laughs> totally, give me one. Um, I did. I will say to get back to Jurassic Park for a minute, and then we'll get back to Dominion. I was rewatching it. And I do think his plan sucks, Nedry, because he does he does know he's fucking people over because there's probably a way to do it where he doesn't like turn off the fucking fences. Like, that's the other thing. He's driving. He has to go drive to the boat, right? To the docks. He does yeah. still have to drive through like Dinosaur Park where there are dinosaurs around. Yeah, no, it's not. Well, and also he's like. Like, there's probably a way to do that, like you said, without closing the fences. But I think the storm is probably what's, you know, he's he's not thinking straight because he's just like, oh, I only have X number of minutes. Yeah, yeah. Because also, if you if there's a camera on the thing you're going to steal and you just turn off the camera for a minute while you disappear, 
and then the camera's back on and the thing is gone and you're gone, I'm pretty sure you're still going to get convicted. Right, like, exactly. That, well, that, like, that's still pretty solid evidence. But he, I think there is a throwaway line when he's like talking to the guy on the dock and he's like, he says something about like, I think his original plan was to wait until they had come back from the tour. Like, I don't think he had planned to leave them all stranded necessarily, but just. Yeah, because there's something about like it was going to be, it was going to be off for 12 minutes or something like that. Right, exactly. But then he ended up having to go to kind of plan B because he was on the, he was, you know, on the clock. Yeah. He also didn't have to like destroy everything when you, if you, if in those 12 minutes you went and tried to like look up what he was doing. Right. But that's also like, it's very 90s, like a computer hacker would have an uh, uh, uh thing as opposed to. Oh, well, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) That's what people thought computers were back then. Oh, like even in, uh, even in the lost world, like it's, kind of got like there are human villains in it but like you spend a li- just enough time with them where it's like this is really just the like the flip side of the john hammond coin is like yeah. we want these you know to make money off them but it's like in a relatable like theme park kind of way it's still on i mean they brand. made toys of the villains like i remember the guy who gets yeah. eaten by the compies is like Dieter, Dieter. Like, I had his toy. Oh, I had that toy, too. When I didn't realize until years later that that was Peter Stormare. (laughs) Yeah, because, like, it was a real badass toy. He had a machete. Well, you couldn't use it, but there was a machete, like, on his leg. And, like, it was was camo, and he had a good bike. Like, it was was a real cool toy. I think some compies came with it. and Something like like that. It was, like... Attached them to him or whatever. Yeah, having not seen the movie, you're just like, Jesus Christ, that guy must be cool because like everyone's a scientist in the first one this guy's like knows what's up um no he's just like a yeah (laughs) no they just which is the template for world yeah the world movies more of those guys but i guess Um, i guess that's what i mean it's like a team like you know uh, malcolm and his group eventually even have to work together with like the poachers at this point there's like the pete possible character who's kind of relatable the big game hunter yeah exactly like there's there's stuff going on so like there's human villains but they're like they at least feel like real people in the real world. But, like, all the Jurassic World villains are just fucking so comical. You cannot take them seriously as real people. I will say I think you might like Campbell Scott in this movie because he's so weird. Like, he – I can't imagine the move, the role was written this way. Like, he plays him, like, almost on the spectrum. Um and it's just, like, very strange responses to people when they're, like, asking about, like, oh, I think this is going wrong. Like, very like, – I'm very curious what you think of his role. Like, is a real – you're either going to think he knows the assignment and, like, this movie is a little ridiculous. I better be ridiculous or be, like, you're you're way overcommitting to this bullshit villain character. Does it um, – is there any – because Dodson is such, like, kind of a weird, like, obscure pull from the first movie, like – considering they haven't referenced him once in like the five or whatever in between does it really matter that that's who it is or could this have just as easily been like a new character that they made up for all 100 percent, 100 percent could have been elon musk playing elon musk like it sure. could have just been a real villain or a real like so it could have been anybody yeah yeah it just seems character. like why not have his name like when i looked up that that's who he was playing i went wait what because well, I didn't cause, know he, I, I knew he was in the movie, but I didn't know who he was playing. You don't Campbell even get Scott. the nostalgia hit because it's a different actor and good. Yeah, I mean, it's a different a actor. Better actor, but like at the same actor. time, it's like, why bring this guy back into it at all? Because then you've still got that uncomfortable association. And also, this is not the person that you're thinking. Oh you God. wouldn't think of him as like a, a Jobs type guy. Is he? 
I guess from a functional standpoint, is he the equivalent of how they brought Palpatine back in Rise of Skywalker? Obviously not I mean, on the same scale, but in terms of like this is the end of the saga or whatever, and like a little bring, bit, just let's like bring we might back as well the villain that we have not referenced for however many movies. Sort of. I mean, they've been building a Biosyn as like bad engine. Have they? Have, has Biosyn been in the last two movies? Isn't that? Isn't there some? Maybe they haven't. Maybe I'm. Am I just? I, th- I think thinking of. Am I thinking I, of the books? <laughs> you might be thinking of the books because I want to say because Dodson is a more prominent character in the books. Yeah, he dies in the Lost World. He gets eaten. Yes, yeah. Well, he's actually pretty prominent in the Lost World from memory. Yeah, they the they version, they but, they spend a lot of time the the good like for lack of a better word the good guys and the bad guys like camp together in that book. Yeah, well, in the Lost World movie, like the bad guys are Injun, so they've never been like all good or all bad, really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that it's been different companies. Like unrelated look it companies. Up. Maybe the last movie worlds. mentioned Biosyn. I don't. I don't know. If maybe, so, maybe it's that like a spinaway thing. I don't know. They, they or have maybe not it's been not. And center. In which case, they just decided, like, oh yeah, he should probably his rival company should. I wonder was Biosyn mentioned in Jurassic Park? Maybe that's where it was because I saw it a couple days ago. I don't think it's even like it they, might be. They say it's like a rival company, but I don't think they even give them the name. I think that's well, just it, in the books. Well, essentially, it's that. The, so if you want like one other thing, um, this is completely irrelevant to the movie except it's another Easter egg. If you don't want to know about it, guys, like literally 10 seconds, don't listen. Five, four, three, two, one. Don't listen for the next 10 seconds. He has the shaving cream can. Oh, but there's the no <laughs> Yeah, but no idea of how he got it. And it's just like supposed to be an applause moment. What? Yeah. All right, guys, we're done with that spoiler. Three, two, one, if you were listening. Yeah. That thing that I was just talking about is just another, like, there's a lot of moments meant to, like, have you go, like, oh, like, every time they introduce a legacy character. And it's just, they're trying too hard to get you to have affection for something. So here's what I, I have been shitting on it more than my potential thumbs up review will. Because here's the thing. This, the start of the movie is fine. The middle is just, like, I don't need to watch Chris Pratt pay shittier Indiana Jones. Like, the, the, the raptor chase thing is, like, this very long thing in Malta, which is not great. And then how they get to the to Dodgen's place is not super great. And I was pretty concerned until I realized there was a full hour left. And the third act is pretty good, because eventually you get all the characters together. And then they kind of play an up, an up well, because there's enough of them that there's some personalities. Um, and some pretty funny moments. And then just because it's this weird, like compound but also got a park aspect to it you get the thing that you kind of that you essentially want out of Jurassic Park that the world movies have sort of thought you didn't which was people running around a jungle or a forest being chased by dinosaurs and they throw a lot of random dinosaurs in especially that fake one that shoots uh you know goo at you they come back which is I don't know I kind of like that one the first one yeah, no, Dilop- it's fun. Was it it's Dilophosaurus, unique. right? Uh, Dilophosaurus, yeah. Which I still love that in the first one, the, it's the first thing on the exhibit, and it's like, by the way, it spits this poison at you. Also, your windows roll down. Yeah. Feel free to take a look. Uh, yeah, I mean, the movie, the Jurassic Park has stupid moments, but you just, you don't care as much because you're, you're enthralled. This one, you notice every stupid moment, but when it gets to the spectacle of, like, dinosaurs, it's... It's pretty cool, and it it wraps up fine. Like it's 
if you're just looking to kind of have a Jurassic World, like, turn off your brain experience, it'll do the trick. It's just, it's very much Fallen Kingdoms, like, highs and lows, but without the the genre twist. Um, so I think, I saw a lot of people hate it, and a lot of people think it's the best one. Nobody thinks it's an in-between installment. It's either the best or the worst one, which kind of tracks considering much of what I've said. Um, the new dinosaurs are kind of whatever. There's some better effects. I will say there's some gimmicky effects, but some are pretty good. It just sort of depends on how close up you're getting to, to some of them. Uh, but it is very sort of going through the motion. So if you're into it, you're going to be into it. Um, and it, it just comes down to how, how down you are with, the plot being based on bugs and Chris Pratt promising a dinosaur he'll get the dinosaur's child back. Oh, God. I'm going to hate this And movie. traversing the world. <laughs> you, you probably will, but you might have a good time with some of the stupidity of it. Like, I didn't have a bad time. I just... I think what'll happen is you, you're going to probably dislike the first two acts more than, than I did, to the point where I don't know if the third one can bring you back. I was sort of lukewarm on the first act. Like, all right, this is fine kind of annoyed with the second act. It's like, I just, I don't want to watch, like, Uncharted. Like, just, just make dinosaurs. Like, do the dinosaur thing. And then the third act is the movie you're kind of hoping for. Though they really don't do enough with the dinosaurs and people together. Which well, is funny because the whole... they spent five hours building it up. Yeah, well, that's the whole, you know, hook at the end of Fallen Kingdom is like, oh, the next one is going to be dinosaurs fucking running amok in the real world. It's very much sprinkled in as opposed to the plot of the movie, which I guess they quickly realized isn't a plot. Like, you can't make a full movie of dinosaurs in the real world. There's cool shots. Like, there's a pterodactyl nest on top of the World Trade Center. Like, some of that is pretty well realized. Like, oh, that might be a thing. Or, like... Um, Wait, the World Trade Center? The, the, plane, the Freedom did, Tower. The new the oh, new. Version. Oh, okay. I was about to say, did the planes not hit in this universe? What? Yeah, yeah, no. The, 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 the dinosaurs rebuilt. It's a thing. Some of them are very handsy. Um, it's like, it's fine. How would it's, you, how would you rank the three world movies then? I think oddly enough, I think I put it in the, I guess it's the worst of the three for me. I was gonna say I put it in the middle because I kind of, I, I did like the first one and, and the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, I guess that's kind of dumb. It is. Everyone's very dumb in that movie and it's got that one like bizarrely cruel death where you're just like, well, well she didn't okay, deserve so, that. So, actually, because I felt the same you way like about that it. one. <laughs> no, well, I I don't think it... It's a gnarly kill, but, like, it's be, just like, It would be why? a great kill if, like, that was the Vincent D'Onofrio character. Or just someone who did anything wrong. <laughs> yeah. But apparently, because uh, I, I was reading about this recently, apparently the actress in that scene had specifically requested, a like, a grotesque and cruel death. So that's, that's why that's it fun. happens to that character, as opposed to that character having done anything to deserve it. She just really wanted that to happen. All right. Like, I'm in a Jurassic The amount of money. Give me a crazy. I think they were going to do something like that anyway, but I think she just sort of stood up and volunteered. Because okay. the way it ha- plays out in the movie, that could have literally been anyone. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just we. It, it, I think that scene was we need someone to get picked up and and devoured. We just need that scene during the chaos. Yeah, and she's um, like, "Oh, can it be me? Can it be me?" Like, I think it's something along those lines. Maybe not that specifically. Well, like, I didn't, like, I didn't, I didn't, I don't hate that scene. It just it is out of place. I was like, "That's mean spirited in a movie that's supposed to be for families." Well, and, I guess. and that's the thing is like that. It's just tonally all over the place, and it's like they they try and go for the awe, but they've also got the cynical aspect of like, "Oh, people are bored." of dinosaurs which is like i get it but i pick one i i think one or the other i think for me at least the awe of seeing the park actually working is like super shallow like there's nothing i wanted more of the park honestly like i i might either make that the move like they spend like 20 minutes of it on it and then they immediately go hey here's this dumb dinosaur that we made up that's functionally a t-rex but we're going to explain why it's slightly different or what because we need we needed to we needed to camouflage well Um, and we need because they and talk to one-upping the t-rex so oh it's a t-rex oh by the way there's something to one-up the t-rex in this movie too uh, it's not a hybrid it's just a new bigger thing that's Um, dumb and i didn't like the super raptor in the second one either it's just like no oh, there's no there's no that, like you point a laser and it, it it's like a, it's like well, a raptor mixed with a cat <laughs> there's no generic genetic engineered dinosaurs in this one but there are raptors you point things at and they attack Ooh. that's what that that shitty scene in the middle that i don't like is in malta oh. like it's a it's a dino it's a tr- i think it might be the leftovers from the from from two they're they're being like transferred and there's like a sting operation and for reasons you'll understand, I guess, when you watch it, Chris Pratt's there and gets involved in, in all that. So there's nonsense going on there. Okay. You got to get through I, that, that middle act. It's rough. I, it sounds like I got to get through the movie. <laughs> now, the third, uh, like, once, I, once I you get to the, it, the compound. Look, I am going to see it, but I'm not looking forward to it. I'll be honest. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a point in the movie where you'll sense that things have evened out. And it's, the problem is it's about 90 minutes in. <laughs> sick yeah that's that's the issue there um but there are things that work there are things that don't um what was the thing that i was saying before we got oh the um it is funny to me that they keep wanting the one up the rap the the t-rex but it's the same t-rex and that's kind of like becoming weirdly the hero like it saved the day in one of the movies like so you know it's not going to be killed so every time it fights something like well that's a little pointless uh, but some of the some of the dino action in the third act is pretty good. Okay. Well, yeah, because it's very confined. Like, I, it 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 feels tight in that sense. Like, oh, they're in a very confined space, so they're 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 under a stress or a pressure. It's it's still dumb, but then I think it does the lizard brain thing pretty well. And also, there is just like some pleasure in watching the characters you like from from the first movie running around in this dumber world. Mm. And I think it just depends on what you think of the of the Dodgson character. I'm fascinated what you think of him because it that is the, probably the biggest swing in the three movies. Having this guy be this kind of a villain. Um yeah, more more I guess uh next week once you've seen it. I don't know if Steve will have seen it by now. He's so in the TV world right now with editing all the uh, the Emmy interviews and just watching things um, that he still hasn't seen Top Gun. He's maybe the only one who hasn't seen Top Gun because Top Gun continues to make all the money. Yep. But, uh, yeah, well, so we'll talk more about... Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, get some well-deserved rest, Steve. You need it. 
I mean, I hope he is. He might just still be doing stuff. Because he also is, there are interviews like every day sure. coming up. I think by the time this comes out, Paul Feig will have been, uh, my interview will be up. That was a pretty good one. We had a good time. Someone else this week, Gary Oldman's on the horizon. A bunch of other ones that they're all blending together. Um, but, you know, good problem to have. Um, so we're going to, we're going to wrap up now. Uh, make your, make your pitch where you can be followed. And, uh, your, your assignment at the end is tell me what the David Cronenberg Jurassic movie would be. Oh, okay. In the way of like the David Lynch, uh, return of the Jedi. What might've been. Oh, well that would have been unwatchable or that would have been Dune is what that would have been. Probably. Uh, OG Dune, not good Dune. Um, you can follow me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They are both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Um, check out my writing on Awards, Radar, and Looper. And uh, the Dave Cronenberg Jurassic movie. Okay, so I know I T-Rex. already said... T-Rex is the new sex. Ugh, no. But like... I know I said I didn't want to see the human dinosaur hybrid thing if it's connected to the movies, but I would make an exception if Cronenberg was doing it because I think he would find a way to have those hybrids be like visually compelling beyond just looking like reptile from Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I would kind of be interested in like kind of a side cool, like don't bring in any characters from the other movies, just like make it sort of tangentially in the same universe and like just show me like some weird like dinosaur human crossbreeding experiments and how they go wrong. And like you'd be down, you'd be down with him making, you'd be down with him making Jurassic Park four, the one that that script. Basically, (laughs) like give me like a very self-contained like the fly, but with dinosaurs like. That, that sounds really cool. Fair. Uh, follow me at Joey Magazine, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, all that stuff. Awards Raiders on several things. Um, I'll just use this as my my time to repitch the thing that I know would never have happened. But if I had my – if like I was the president of Hollywood, um, the way I would have done Jurassic World is I would have um, secretly made it two movies. Uh, I know this never works and there's always the rumors of like wanting to do like two movies back to back. Like was it uh, Halloween uh, Kills and Ends? They were yeah. going to put them out like 30 days apart without telling you. Well, in the last um, two, uh, Mission Impossible, same thing. Well, I think both yeah, of yeah. them would have if not for the pandemic. Yeah, they always want to do this thing where like, surprise, second movie, and and or third or sixth, whatever, and it doesn't work. But I kind of wanted Jurassic World to secretly be a part one and to be – I don't even know if you could do this, but to not tell people that it was a 90-minute movie and it would only be about the park. Like it would have ended – with the the Indominus Rex escaping, so in just a second ninety minute movie of the destruct of just destruction, so you don't have to care about all that stuff. You could just do the gnarly like dinosaurs running amok again, but this time it's bigger um, as its own like lizard brain movie. And the first ninety minutes is like kind of like much of the first season of Westworld, I guess. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I imagine the reviews for the secret part one would have been terrible when they're like, "Wait, there's no." Dinosaur eating in this movie, but that would have been my big swing. To and I don't know why Steven Spielberg never called me back. Alas, Hard to say. Yeah. Well, we'll be back next week. Uh, Miles will probably be here with a very uh, nuanced 
middle of the road take on Jurassic World Dominion. Um, considering I think I kind of liked the movie and I mostly complained about it, so we're off we're off to the races on that one. And uh, Tribeca will be going on by then, so I will actually believe it or not, my first. It's not going to sound like Tribeca to you, but my first Tribeca movie is The Black Phone. Ooh, I'm excited for that one. I, I, I'm kind of excited. I wish the reviews were better. Like, the reviews are good because it – did it play at Fantastic Fest or something? Like, it's played, it played at something right? like over a year ago, yeah. And it's I, – I heard mostly good things. Like I heard a lot like of good things, board, but, but but yeah, but nobody was like, this is great. There was a lot of like, there's some real good stuff in here or there it's pretty good. I think Ethan Hawke kind of got the best look of like he's really going for it as a, as a real like asshole villain. Like creepy, creepy, like sex pest serial killer. I don't know what his deal is, but like he's he's a bad dude. Um, so I, I kind of like that it's – this is what I wish Tribeca did more, not to like get off on a thing. But because they're right in between – and they kind of have Sundance leftovers and things that didn't get into Sundance or things that aren't going to hold until Toronto. And they they have a big pool of like – I don't know. You ever go to Walmart back in the day and they had the $5 bin of DVDs? And oh, it's yeah. like there's some good – there's plenty of good stuff in here. And almost all of it's worth the $5 but nothing is just like I can't believe I now own. You know, like like five years from now you're going to find ambulance in that. Oh, and totally. you're never going to be like, I can't believe I own Ambulance. You're like, oh, cool, for five bucks, I want that. You know, they just they never have one of those. Or if they do, it's a movie you already knew was like that, like a Before Midnight. Or like this year they have Cha-Cha Real Smooth. Or like enough people have already told you this is really good. Yeah. So I kind of like that they're throwing in this. Or like um, two years ago, they didn't have a festival really. It was barely existing, but it was uh, virtual. They, they were supposed to have the King of Staten Island. Kind of like a high-profile thing. And I think the very first year they – or one of – not maybe not – but one of the first years of the festival. Wasn't the Avengers their thing? I don't think it was the beginning. It was was early on in the festival before it became the thing it is now. They had that. So when they do that, I appreciate it. But, you know, 17 other like – Here's a dramedy set in New York with a with someone trying to come of age. You know, there's there's a lot of those. There's some big actors in a bunch of these things, but I – I vaguely fear that. Mm-hmm. Oddly, I prefer when it's like, oh, Justin Long has three movies here this year again. Or like Aubrey Plaza, like people who just show up every year in these at this festival. So we'll see. I'll, I'll check in next week with where I'm at. But uh, for now, you know, don't get eaten by a dinosaur. Steve, take a nap. And uh, Miles, let us know how it goes when you co-star with James Woods. Good night, everybody. Cue the, the, the Family Guy song. Oh, God, All right. I forgot about that. He was like a recurring supporting character as an... Oh, God. And there's two There's two really good moments with that. I know we're supposed to stop recording. Um, ooh, a piece of candy and the I've got James Woods. All right, we're, we're seriously done now. Bye, everyone. All right, bye, y'all. All right, uh, three. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content. <laughs>